It's open enrollment season. It's that time of year again where employers are putting on their enrollment hats and trying to figure some stuff out. And anytime there's an enrollment season, there's always question season that comes with it. Questions both from you, the employer, as well as your employees about the benefits that are being offered. And so today we have Robbie Bryan, our Director of Benefit Services, that's going to join us. We're going to talk about that and so much more in today's episode. This is the One Step Better Podcast. helping small businesses make wins each and every week. Robbie, going back to when you first started in the workforce, uh, maybe your first full-time job that was an actual benefits-eligible job. What are some of the questions that you had around benefits? What were some of the things that really hung you up, the things that you struggled with, maybe didn't understand a little bit? I think it was more of an eye-opener that a lot of uh, benefits cost a lot of money. You know, fresh out of college, <laughs> we did not know what money was. We had no money. My wife and I were just married. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made personally, signing us up for insurance because we were both coming off of our parents' insurance plans, was that I looked for the cheapest route possible. And that looked like the HDHP offering uh, with my employer at the time. And I didn't take advantage of an SS- HSA, excuse me. And so all I saw was a lower premium, but then again, everything on the back end, we had higher deductibles. We were paying a lot more out of pocket. I wasn't taking advantage of pre-tax dollars in the HSA. I had no idea what I was doing. And That sounds exactly right, like you. Yeah. You found the cheapest number, the lowest number on the page, let's and you said, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, that. that's like your personality in a nutshell, right? <laughs> I, I call it frugal. It's frugal. Frugal. Yeah. It's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. It's frugal. That's a good way to put it. I I think, you know, I, I've been, uh, goodness, I I just turned 40. So I'm starting to feel a little bit old. Um, but back in the day, whenever I had my first full-time job, I, I didn't understand any of my benefits. It wasn't like just which one did I not understand? I didn't understand any of them. My first full-time job came with, um, just medical dental vision coverage. And so I knew that um, if my arm got chopped off, I would go to the hospital and then insurance is supposed to work and I'm good. Or if I had to get a teeth, a tooth pulled, or if my eyes went out and I needed to get something, you know, cu- you know, whatever. I just knew that I was supposed to go get whatever it was done. And then I, I think, I hope maybe insurance is going to do something uh, and, and then I'm going to be all good. Since then, I've learned that there are there's a lot of ifs in my assumptions about insurance that were not necessarily accurate. Uh, a lot of that being around what is covered, what is not covered. Why am I still getting a bill? I thought I had insurance. Why am I getting a bill for this? Turns out insurance didn't pay for everything like I thought it did. Um, and it, it was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because the reality was insurance was not what I thought it was. At that time, I was um, 25 years old or so, just out of grad school, uh, first full-time job. Uh, and it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I, what I thought it was. Uh, and, and so it, in today's episode, really what we're going to talk about is at the beginnings of insurance for an employer, um, there's this thing called open enrollment. And in that open enrollment, in open enrollment period, that is where employees like you and I were way back when are going to have a lot of questions around or should have a lot of questions 
around insurance and, and what is really covered and how much is this really going to cost me and all of those things. So we're going to kind of give a breakdown of, of all things open enrollment, things that you really need to consider as an employer that's offering insurance uh, and, and really kind of trying to put yourself in the in the shoes of your employees who may not necessarily fully understand insurance at all. And so, Robbie, where I want to start with is when it comes time for open enrollment, which we see this a lot this time of year, we're falling, you know, getting further into fourth quarter. We're looking for a renewal season come January 1. You know, as an employer on the on the employer side, what are some of the things that you're thinking about or should be thinking about as you're getting ready to, to start open enrollment with your employees? So I look at it from two different sides of the fence. So if we want to look at it from our side as a benefits administrator, as a broker, essentially we would want them to start in June or July for a 1-1 renewal. <laughs> on the other side of the fence, they're looking at us like there's no way that's happening, right? Yeah. So if we could split the middle, let's let's find a common ground there. You know, we really would like the conversations to start happening inside of their organization with their employees because ultimately the employees are the ones that are benefiting from these benefits, right? So as we all know, it's hard to find good talent. It's hard to keep talent. And right now, a lot of organizations that have traditionally never offered benefits are now looking to offer some sort of benefits. And you've got the traditional benefits, you know, the medical dental vision, but there's also some non-traditional benefits that, you know, might need to come into play, you know, based on a lot of different factors, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit. You know, but ultimately it comes down to the conversations with the employee and, you know, surveys are great for this, you know, especially anonymous surveys. If you've got employees that might not feel confident to speak up uh, and share their thoughts, right? Find out what truly your employees are looking for, right? It might not be the traditional sense uh, of medical dental vision. You know, the work, the workforce is changing. You know, you've got a younger demographic now that if you look at studies, want almost the complete opposite of what the the older workforce might want. For example, I saw a study where for the younger workforce, telemedicine is, is hugely important, right? It's quick, it, they get it done. The studies also show that it actually promotes long-term wellness because it's easy to go to, it's, it's instantaneous. You know, the younger generation, we typically want everything right now, whereas the older generation might want a, a primary care physician that has been, you know, with their family for the past 25 years, right? So there's a huge um, dynamic shift that you see there. So finding out what your employees truly want, right? You're not going to make everybody happy, but at the same time, you know, employers are looking for, you know, benefit-rich options that might be um, lighter on the pocketbook, you know, but at the same time, it might not even be remotely close to what your employees are truly needing, you know, in terms of coverage, you know. I think that's a really good place to start uh, because the reality is employers are offering benefits for the most part um, as that, a benefit. There's a purpose behind it. Um, You know, there are some industries where maybe benefits is kind of somewhat of a commodity in the sense of, uh, my employer, like it's table stakes to even attract any talent, not just good right. talent. Uh, and you see that a little bit more in maybe professional services, white collar type of organizations, office type of work uh, for some employers where it's, you know, I'm not even going to get applications unless I have some type of benefit package that comes with this job. 
But then there's other organizations that this is a true perk. It, it, it helps them stand apart. And I think it's really important to start with offering benefits that actually meet those goals. Um, if my goal is to just offer baseline benefits, that is, I could check the box that says I have to offer benefits to attract anybody, then my benefit package is probably going to look a little bit different from the employer that says I'm looking for everything under the sun to be the leader in my industry as it relates to benefit packages. And here's the thing. Neither of those are wrong. This isn't like one is right, one is wrong. You know, what, It's not even one is good, one is better. Um, it's really about what your goals are as an employer because you know I may offer uh, above – average salary and and offer an average salary package as part of my recruiting, or I may offer an average salary and above average salary package. You know, it's different techniques, different strategies. Um, But it is really important to look at the benefits that you do offer and and ask yourself, do my employees actually care about this? Right. Uh, Because if your employees don't care about it, it doesn't matter what your goal is, you're not accomplishing that goal. Right. Uh, and, And that's a, you know, Employers hate to waste money, but it's even more of a sting when it's, you know what, I'm wasting money on something that I thought was actually helping me win right. when it turns out it's it's not at all. There, there's a bit of a more of a sting that comes with that, I think. Well, the way I see it too, you your medical dental vision, to me, that's a pay to play. That's You have to have those to be competitive in an organization that you want to scale and you want to attract people to, uh, talent to, right? I think you also need to take a look at maybe some non-traditional benefits, especially after the pandemic. You know, for example, that, you know, we've mentioned telemedicine, you know, we've mentioned, um, you know, virtual, uh, virtual docs, you know, there's a whole bunch of different names for the same thing, but also too, you know, I read a study uh, in PubMed the other day that said, you know, post pandemic anxiety rates have increased from a roughly 6.3% to 50%. Depression has increased from 14.6% to 48%. Psychological distress, 34 to 38%. So mental health and wellness benefits is one of the, the top trending non-traditional benefits that you're seeing out in the, the marketplace right now, along with critical illness, right? Because of you know very specific tragic diseases or illnesses that you may get, you know, you want to be covered there as well. So yeah. there's there's really to to your point there's no right or wrong offering but it's it's let's let's open the doors and let's actually broaden that scope of what we're doing to attract the best talent but also too to have packages that benefit the majority of our workforce and not just what we think would benefit the majority of our workforce. Yeah, you mentioned earlier um, like doing like an employee survey, you know, just asking the simple question, hey, how do you feel about our benefits package? Or even what benefits do we not offer? Would you like to see those types of things? Um, and those could be, you know, those could be really good. Those have their place at times. Uh, but also don't be afraid to look at your enrollment data. You know, if we've seen this happen a couple of times where, uh, you know, we offer three different medical plans and turns out 80% of our employees are on plan one and the not 19% are on plan two. Well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm confusing things by offering three plans. Maybe I need to scale that back to just offering two plans right. or even ask myself, why is everybody moving to this plan? Is it cheaper? Um, if it's cheaper then you know, is the, is it, is the coverage still really what our employees want it to be? Because 
it's it's a real thing wherever I offer insurance, I offer medical coverage, but also my employees hate it. They, you know, they don't have any other options, so they enroll, but they really hate the coverage. And, you know, you start to get into those things and you know what, maybe it makes sense to, to change up the actual details of those plans or reduce the, the number of plans that you offer to make the ones that you do uh, do offer a little bit more impactful. I think you used the word benefit rich. And I think that's a, a really good goal to have. If you're truly trying to offer employee benefits, make sure those benefits are rich, that your employees uh, will, will receive them well, that, that they actually agree with your perception that they are, in fact, uh, you know, rich of benefits. Um, and so let's say that we've already decided, all right, this is the packages, you know, that are the plans that we're going to offer. Maybe it's med, dental, vision. Maybe we're throwing some disability insurance. Maybe it's employer paid life. Maybe we go non-traditional with things like pet insurance or telemedicine offerings, mental health benefits, things like that. Um, I've already, you know, I've already decided on those things. Um, you mentioned, you know, in our world as a broker side, we would love to start this conversation six, six months earlier. We also know that's not realistic. Um, at what point do you really think that employers truly should start to roll out some changes or communicate to their employees about, you know, what their benefits look like and what they are? Sure. So I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways from this podcast would be to work backwards. And so you, you've narrowed it down, you know what you're going to offer, you know, the carriers you're working with, find out from those carriers when their drop dead, you know, stop dates are, when will they stop accepting enrollment information? Uh, if you've got a carrier feed, do they have blackout periods? You need to understand from a carrier standpoint, what the timeline is for them, because the timeline doesn't just stop with your organization. It doesn't just stop with your broker. It's got to carry through to make sure the cards can be produced in a timely manner that your employees day one are covered and can be seen by a dentist, a optometrist, a physician, whatever it may be. So one thing I like to suggest is to work backwards, find out what those dates are and then start putting in milestone dates. And if you look at the front side of that timeline now, education is hugely important, right? You don't want to just give your employees bunch of paper and say, Hey, here's your offerings, you know, best of luck, you know, let us know if you can enroll. They don't know what they're enrolling in. Most HR professionals don't truly understand what the benefits are capable of offering, right? They don't know how to read a summary plan description, whatever it may be. So being able to sit down with somebody who is knowledgeable about these plans, what is offered, maybe what the differences are, say that you're offering two or three different medical plans, you know, a bronze, silver, you know, goal, whatever it may be, find out the differences and be able to present that to your workforce in a way that can be understood by most, right? And then having a, an open door policy so that people can come in and continue to ask questions as enrolling. And if you're, you know, you're small enough or if you have the ability, sit down with each individual and actually help them go through the enrollment. That's another, um, an option so that you can get real time feedback and maybe address questions before they're asked by others. If you're seeing a trend, when it comes to uh, some of the conversations that you're having with your workforce. I find that really educating on insurance offerings is an ongoing task. It never ends. That's right. It never ends for a couple of reasons. One is simply because I told somebody something once doesn't necessarily mean that they actually know it or right. remember it. Uh, but another reason it doesn't end is because it's a constantly revolving door of new hires. Uh, just because I, you know, in, in our organization, we're going to be going through open enrollment here at the beginning of December, late November this year. And, 
you know, everybody that's in the building at that point in time is going to go through open enrollment. But guess what? We will probably hire somebody the very next month, um, even possibly the very next week. And they're not going to go through that same open enrollment. They're not going to get that same educational time and value. Uh, and so it's this is a, a thing that never ends. It, it's an ongoing, constant uh, educational requirement for your team. And really, and if you don't do this, and the part that I always struggle with is if you don't really educate your employees on their benefits, you're really missing an opportunity to truly offer benefits. Right. Uh, because you're, if your employees don't know about them, they're not going to participate them in them. Um, and at that point in time, you're really not moving the needle like you think you are simply because you say, hey, I offer medical plan or I offer dental or whatever it is. Um, and so just offering is not good enough. Uh, it's At some point in history, it used to be just being able to say I offer plans was good enough. Right. Not anymore. There's too many employers out there, especially in this employee-driven market, uh, labor market, where I have to be able to know that you offer plans, but I also have to know that you're going to teach me what plans you know you offer and, and how that affects me. I think that employees are generally asking themselves three questions when it comes to their insurance offerings. They're asking them, themselves, first and foremost, why do I need this? Um, and so if we're offering a medical plan, that's probably easy to answer. You need this because, one, you're required to have medical insurance, um, but nobody really cares about that anymore. Uh, the real reason is because if something happens to you and you go to the hospital and have any type of major anything, it's, it's possibly a bankruptable type of activity. Medical debt uh, is, is the number one cause of bankruptcy and financial issues in America. Uh, and so medical coverage helps you avoid that. That's the easy one to see. But if you start to get into offering things like short-term or long-term disability, Maybe that those are plans that your employees don't really understand the value in. They don't understand the value of, you know what, I may be living paycheck to paycheck, and if something was to happen to me, I don't have another paycheck coming in, but guess what? My bills are still packing up. Right. Uh, and so you know, educating them on those benefits is super important because they do care. Why do I need this coverage? Why are you offering this coverage? And if it's left to your employees to figure out, they will typically answer that question differently than if uh, somebody actually explained it to them in a meaningful way. Yep. Second, second question that I feel like employees are asking themselves is what does it actually cover? Um, I know that I struggled with this for the longest time is, all right, so if I go to the doctor just as a part of a routine checkup, I don't have to pay anything. But if while I'm there, they drew blood, now I'm getting a bill, that doesn't make any sense. It's a, what does my plan actually cover? Um, and there's these little things that we always give out as part of open enrollment called a summary of benefits and coverage. That's typically going to tell the employee everything that is covered. Uh, or if, you know, if there's things that's excluded from coverage, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have those things listed. Um, all of those are things that you should be able to get from your insurance broker um, but really, there are things that your insurance provoker should be providing to you without them, without you ever asking about it. And then the third question that I think employees are always asking themselves is really, how much does it cost? What is the real cost to me, the employee, uh, for this benefit plan? And here's the thing. That goes beyond just the premiums that you're going to take out of my paycheck. It's easy to sit down with an employee and say, the cost of this plan is you know, $500 a month or whatever it is, but it's going the extra mile. And really what we strive to do with our benefit services at works is to say, yes, that's $500 a month. And also 
your deductible is X and your max out of pocket is Y, which means that if you have any type of major event, the real cost of this plan is going to be a little bit different than just $500 a month. And so the cost of coverage is more than just the premiums that are paid or being deducted out of a paycheck. Uh, And if an employer can go that extra step to answer those three questions proactively, which we would say should happen on an ongoing basis, but also as part of your open enrollment process, then your employees are going to feel much more valued and well taken care of and informed about the decision that they're going to make uh, about their benefits coverage. And so I think it's important. You said start early, start often, you know, make sure it's, it's going across the board all the time, talking about insurance from an HR perspective. Um, and then backing up in our timeline to create some real open enrollment processes. Uh, but the educational content that's happening along the way is really, really valuable to make sure that it's right. Uh, as we're having conversations with our employees. This episode of One Step Better is brought to you by Works, a team of payroll and HR experts who help businesses with outsourced HR, payroll, and human capital management solutions. Works is software and service, combining awesome people with the best technology to help you and your team get one step better every day. Check out our website, works.com, to explore more employer resources. We're sitting down. It's time for open enrollment. That that day is here. As an employee, not just the employer side, but as an employee, what are you thinking through as you're looking at those plans and trying to determine exactly which what you're going to select from the offerings that are available? Sure. So as an employee, so going back to my 24-year-old self, I'm looking at the right-hand column and I'm looking at the <laughs> monthly premium. That's all I'm caring about. But if you really want to truly understand, there's a few things like you had mentioned. Let's look at the the out-of-pocket max, right? Are you uh, an employee-only coverage or do you have a family to provide for? Like, are you putting your family on your benefits? If so, that might look, you know, wildly different than if it's just you. You might be relatively healthy, but you might have a daughter, for example, that might have a pre-existing condition that's it's going to need more care and coverage than than you typically would. So you really have to go through, like you had mentioned, the out-of-pocket, what is exactly covered? We'll talk medical, for example, here. What is exactly covered when it comes to the in-office visits? You know, what what am I paying copay? What is the co-insurance, right? And so, All right, so you're saying a lot of words there. Yes. What is a max out-of-pocket? What does that mean? So that is the maximum amount of money that you will be spending for your for your benefit for your medical benefit after everything is said and done this is the max amount of money that you are going to have to fork over to your carrier to make sure that you are getting the care that you need through the coverage that you've elected and there's in, in, in a typical medical plan there's typically two max out of pockets you're going to see one for an individual and one for a family so let's make up some numbers here let's say that my max out of pocket for this plan is eight thousand dollars for an individual and sixteen thousand dollars for a family What that would mean is if I went to the hospital and something happened to me and I got a $20,000 bill, the most amount of money that I'm going to pay for that bill is $8,000, assuming that my care was covered and all those things, but insurance is going to pay out. Uh, But the max out of pocket, the max amount of money I'm going to pay is $8,000. 
And that means that the next week, next two months, whenever I get another bill, insurance is going to cover all of that. Again, assuming that it's actually a covered claim uh, because I've already reached my max out of pocket. But if my, um, my daughter, my, my kid gets hurt and they go to the hospital, they haven't yet met their max out of pocket. So they're going to actually have to, you know, we'll have to pay something out there up to the max out of pocket for a family. So across the board, if my entire family has paid $16,000 in my example, then we're done paying for, for care for the rest of the year. It's the maximum amount of money that an individual or a family covered family will pay in the course of a year. That is an extremely important number to understand, especially if you start to look at the true cost of your coverage. The additional costs like you had mentioned, absolutely. And one of the things that we do from a works benefit services standpoint is that we do a, a either a video overview or we actually sit down do a webinar uh, or even in person if the opportunity uh, presents itself and actually go over what some of the key definitions might be when they're looking through that summary plan description so they can understand what this exactly means so that's just one of the ways that works you know, has a competitive advantage we differentiate ourselves to make sure that our employees of our clients are taken care of you used another one. You, you said uh, co-insurance. What's co-insurance? Co-insurance is the amount of money that, or the amount of a bill that you're still responsible for after your deductible is met. So typically what you see is an 80-20, where the insurance carrier is responsible for 80% of the charge, where you're still responsible for 20% of the charge. So it's important to know that you will meet your deductible, but there's still a, a co-insurance uh, amount possibly depending on the the plan that you select. Yeah. And then you, you keep saying deductible. What is that? Deductible is the amount of money that you have to pay until the insurance carrier will start paying as well, paying their part. So for yeah. example, you could see uh, $2,500, for example, as a deductible, a high deductible, uh, you know, there's it, the amounts vary across different, different plans. And so those are three numbers that's really, really important to communicate every single open enrollment. You have to be able to explain what coinsurance is. You have to be able to explain what a deductible is, and you have to be able to explain what max out of pocket is. And that's going to be very specific to the plans. And if you offer more than one, let's say medical plan, you're going to have more than one uh, value for all three of those numbers. And so if you're doing like a, a bronze plan, it may be uh, an 80-20 coinsurance, or maybe there's no coinsurance at all. You just, you're paying everything up to a certain amount um, uh, before your 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 max out of pocket gets reached. And, and that's going to look different than if you're on a gold plan that typically has a lower deductible, um, sometimes usually a lower sometimes higher max out of pocket, but typically a pretty strong co-insurance. So uh, that's where you're really doing some analysis to determine what is the best plan for me is really important for employees to do. And a lot of times they're not going to do that unless their employer or um, maybe an outside provider like works can kind of come in and explain what those plans really are for their employees. Um, so it's super important to understand that. So you're sitting down, we're going through open enrollment, we've selected our medical coverage, our dental coverage, our vision coverage. From there, a lot of employers think, all right, we're done, it's finished, I don't have to worry about this for a whole nother year. That's not always the case. What happens to all of that information after the employee says, you know, hey, you know what, beginning 1-1 one, one of next year, this is what I want to happen. Where does all that information have to go? Sure. Well, even before that piece, uh, there's something that 
any administrator needs to make sure that they do. And that's actually go through the enrollments themselves to make sure nothing's missing. And a lot of times paper enrollments are still the method used for enrollment. And so when you have paper enrollments, there's a lot of information that is traditionally left off and that creates significant delays with your carrier, especially if it's for a one, one renewal, the entire world is going through open enrollment for one, one. That's the busiest open enrollment renewal period. The second one is seven, one, the third one's five, one. So nothing compares to the one, one. So you want to make sure that before you send paper enrollments off to a carrier, that you have all the information that you need. There's any waived coverages. You want to make sure you have those as well. It's that's very important. That's one takeaway that I want to make sure everybody keeps in the back of their head is you want to make sure that when you're submitting, you are confident that it's correct. Um, but let's, let's go now the open enrollment's done. Maybe you had a correction period, which means that you didn't really tell your staff, but you still had an extra week that you wanted to collect information. Everything's good to go tidied up. You know, you've gone through, you've done a little bit of an audit. Uh, now you're, are go, you are going to give either it's a paper enrollment to your provider or a, a benefits report an enrollment report to your asset provider, to your broker, excuse me. And it's their job at this point to send it over to the carrier. Um, or let's say that you're using a, an HRS system like uh, works and ISOL, and we set up a carrier connection, then we will send an open enrollment file over to the carrier and they can start working through entering the enrollments on their side. Um, and at that point, uh, obviously we send over the first premium payment and that's going to help bind the coverage. And at that point, the carrier is now going to start getting the insurance cards ready to be submitted. Once that happens works for our clients, we're going to go through and we're actually going to reconcile that first invoice just to make sure that everything matches on our side, matches in our deductions for payroll, but also matches on the carrier side. And then we'll continue to do that monthly. But that first one is crucial if you're adding new plans or you've got changes. I think the big takeaway there is an open enrollment season. Once, once we think open enrollment is done, the actual work of getting everything to where it needs to be is actually just started. Because all of those employee elections are reset on you know, one, one, whenever plan renewal happens and they got to be remade to some extent. Uh, and all of that data, it affects payroll. It affects, uh, your carriers. It affects your insurance bill. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts that come with that. And which is why we partly, you know, part of the reason why we say start as early as you possibly can to make this as easy of a transition as possible, because it is, it's, uh, it's frustrating for an employee to, you know, maybe one, 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 two, they go to the doctor, and oh, I, I don't see that you're covered. And a lot of times that'll happen, and it's just simple clerical it's error. The nature on, of one one yeah, moments too. Yeah, it is. And sometimes it'll happen, but it does. It, it's a friction point for your employees that can sometimes be avoided through careful planning and, and execution uh, on the front end. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that. So Robbie, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, a couple of big things that I, I think were stood out to me as important and you could kind of talk a little bit more about this and then we'll wrap up. Um, it's important for employers to offer benefits that are truly valuable to their employees. And if you miss the mark there, then 
what are we really doing? Why are we even offering these benefits to begin with? And the second thing is open enrollment and offering benefits is not as easy as simply saying, hey, you know what? We offer benefits today. Let me know what you want and let's move on. It is a, it is something that's compliance driven. The IRS actually has some regulations. ERISA actually has some regulations around uh, defined benefit plans. Uh, and it's not, it's not as simple as a lot of people make it out to be. So, you know, what, what are your, what are your kind of final thoughts as we start to wrap up here? Sure. I think really number one, and, and those can kind of blur uh, those two points together. You really need to know your workforce, right? And just even over the past 10 years, just the demographic and the makeup of the workforce has changed dramatically. Uh, you know, you've got the baby boomers retiring and you've got a younger generation and their wants and needs are completely different. I know we had mentioned that before. And I know you have to look at things as a whole, but one one fact that, you know, you I feel like could indirectly contribute to the different uh, needs or wants for the current workforce than say 10 years ago, since 2007, the birth rates have fallen, I think almost 20%. So, you know, you've got, you know, for example, I, I'll take myself, for example, we had our first daughter when I was 24 years old. So, you know, we, we started early with a family, uh, but you're seeing now a lot of people are waiting to have children or not having children. So we talked about your benefit selections might vary based on if it's just for you or if it's for a family, right? So yeah. the, the entire dynamic of, of what should be offered and, you know, traditionally non-traditional benefits, you truly need to understand the pulse of your workforce and what that looks like to them. And whether it's through surveys or whether it's through just looking at, you know, past elections, whatever it may be, benefit elections, you need to make sure that you you truly know what what is going to be the biggest bang for the buck for your organization. And it might not be, you know, truly, you know, just dental, medical and vision. You know, we've talked about, you know, things such as, uh, you know, teledoc, critical illness, mental health and wellness, you know, EPAs. Um, you know, one of the things that we can also think about is, is you know, remote work opportunities. Uh, different paid time off, uh, flexible hours, student loan assistance. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be pulled in that, you know, might not be traditionally offered with benefits, but now are a thing, right, for benefits. You know, it's just giving you a competitive edge, you know, to attract these, you know, the right talent for your organization. Well, Robbie, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to talk with us today. Uh, and for all those folks listening, the, the reality is, you know, we, we say a lot of things about employee benefits and, and it probably sounds a little bit overwhelming and maybe frankly, a little bit scary. Uh, but the reality is, uh, you know, your workforce better than anybody else does. And if you're offering employee benefits that really are moving the needle and you need some help administering those, reach out to us and we'd be glad to help. Uh, but if you're not offering any benefits at all and you know that that's causing you to miss out on talent uh, or you have people leaving your organizations for better opportunities or different opportunities is probably what I should say, um, then, then let us know because we can custom design some things that's going to really make a difference for your employee base uh, and help you administer those in a way that is really frictionless so your employees get the best experience possible. And so thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. If we can do anything for you, reach out to us at one step better at works.com. Thanks and have a great day.
Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice and make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you.